Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. If you'd open up to uh, the book of John, chapter 16, I have something really good to share with you. In fact, I believe I'm going to start a series uh, this week, and we're going to go on for maybe three or four weeks, and it's just called Take Heart. Take Heart for I Have Overcome. Take Heart. And that's the words of Jesus out of John chapter 16 right here. So if you just grab your Bible, you may be with family, or you may be alone, or you may have some friends, would you just gather around, grab your Bible, act like you're right in church, and together with other believers, because we are gathered together. And let's read together Jesus' words to his disciples. This was on the last week of his life here on earth. And he said this, John chapter 16 and verse 32. He said, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. (laughs) Kind of relates to where we are. He said, each to your own home, you will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone, for my father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you may have trouble. He said, but take heart. And this is what this is. Take heart for I have overcome the world. Lord, we come before you even with this scripture today. I I ask you that as I go over some points right now that the Holy Spirit would teach each one of us and would encourage each one of us us with the words of Jesus today, that not only did he encourage his disciples, but we 2,000 years later can be encouraged, Lord, even as we're separated from one another, God, we can still take heart because you've overcome the world. Tailor these words to each one of us today by the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, when Jesus was teaching this in John chapter 16, he was just about to be killed and he was telling his disciples, the disciples were excited that they were following him and, and uh, people were gathering around and seeing the fame of Jesus, but he was letting them know, hey, I want to let you know I'm about to be killed and you're about to be scattered. And I can imagine them just saying, no, wait a minute. We're going to stick right with you, man. You're the king. We love you. We're on your side. And he says, no, you're about to be scattered each to your own home. You're going to be by yourself. He said, but I want you, don't worry about me because I'm taken care of. He says, uh, the Father alone is with me. And I know that all of us are scattered. We're in different places. But Jesus wasn't just worried about himself. He was trying to comfort them and let them know. He said, I told you these things so that you would have peace. See, sometimes when you get off alone, he was saying they're going to all be scattered into their own homes. And sometimes when we get off alone, we don't have peace. Peace comes from being with one another. In fact, we're comforted by being with one another. I know that sometimes when we're all alone and we're going through a hardship, maybe if you're stranded out on the road or you broke down and finally someone comes to rescue you, and as soon as they pull up, you, your heart just settles and you say, am I so glad you're here? Why? Because it just brings me comfort that you're here. And Jesus said, I'm telling you these things because I want you to have peace with you. And he said, in this world... You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So I want to show you three things here just in these verses. They're they're right in the verses as we always look at them. And number one is this. You will have trouble in this world. 
I don't know where some people got the idea uh, that if you're a believer or you're a Christian that everything's going to be a bed of roses and everything's going to be okay. That's not my experience. It's not that, you know, life gets worse, but we still go through trials. We still go through trouble. We still go through the junk that the world goes through. We still see the things, hear the same news, hear the same uh, 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 outcomes and such of, uh, and, and, and the, uh, the conversations of what people say. But we as believers are di- have it different because we have God with us. God never said that Christians would not have trouble. Christians do have trouble. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In fact, that word trouble literally means pressure. In this world, Jesus said, you're going to have pressure. As long as you live in the world, you're going to have pressure on you. But that's okay. Be encouraged, okay? In uh, Psalm chapter 34, verse 19, you know the scripture. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, it's not just about us going through trouble, but it's about uh, the outcome. We have hope. Why? Because we don't have to wonder how we're going to get through the trouble. We have God with us. We can be comforted because we may go through the same thing as other people, but nevertheless, we have God with us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. And I want to tell you that today. You may be going through pressure. You may be going through trouble, but you're not alone. You don't only have brothers and sisters, but you have the Lord himself who's with you, who promised he'd never leave you and he'd never forsake you. It also says, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come because men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. They'll be brutal. They'll be despisers of what's good. They'll be traitors. They'll be headstrong. They'll be haughty. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you may say, that sounds like the people that I know. That sounds like today. And that's what he said. In the last days, you're going to see people that are like that. In other words, he doesn't promise that everything's going to be perfect. Things around us are going to have pressure. People around us, not everyone's going to serve God and have the same values and have the same things that you and I have, but we're different. We're walking through the same uh, environment, so to speak, but we're walking with God. I remember when I was in high school that uh, I watched my brothers used to wrestle uh, in high school. They were in, you know, not the fake wrestling, but, you know, like the, the wrestling where they'd get in there. And I mean, they were, they were, these guys were in shape. And they would get in there and they'd wrestle. And I remember watching them and they would uh, win in wrestling and they'd start pinning their opponents and they'd, you know, one, two, three, they'd put them on their back and they'd get pinned. And I remember thinking, when I get into high school, I want to wrestle. That looks like so much fun. You know, all I could see in my eyes was wins and pins. But then I remember getting in wrestling, man, I wasn't in shape. And I, I got into the wrestling and man, they kicked my butt. I mean, they ran me and ran me and we worked out. I mean, it was the hardest sports team in our school. It was like, uh, it was like being in the military or something. And I remember thinking, where's all the fun? Where's all the victory? Where's all the wins and pins? I mean, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up to have fun. See, it was fun. The victory was fun. But going through the discipline, 
going through the trials, going through the tribulation, going through the stuff, so to speak, is not what I signed up for, but you have to get through the stuff to get to the victory. And I remember thinking about a thousand times, pretty much every day about quitting wrestling. And, and, and I just said to myself, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I know that there's something on the other side of that. And I just held on to it. I got myself in shape and I got in there and I started wrestling, started pinning some guys, started winning and man, it felt good. And I thought, now that's what I signed up for. See, the discipline was all worth it. The, the trials the, the adversity was all worth it when I started seeing the victories. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Let me just encourage you, don't quit. Don't quit. There's victory on the other side if you don't quit. Why? Because God promises victory. He promises victory to us. You've heard the term, no pain, no gain, right? No pain. Many people, they live their whole lives just to avoid pain. They just sit on the couch and if there's any pain or they even get a little bit, a little cough or a little tired or a little, they're just trying to avoid pain. Why? Because they don't want to suffer. They don't want to go through any trials or any tribulations. Thank God that Jesus didn't think that way. He knew that he had to go through some suffering in order to get the victory. The joy that was set before him, he got victory on the other side. Too many people, I believe, play it safe. Even Christians, they play it safe. They get into adversity and they say, all this Christian stuff doesn't work. No, you're just a quitter, but we're not supposed to be. Let me tell you, if you'll hold on to the word of God, if you'll hold on to Jesus, if you'll hold on to the one who said he'd never leave you or forsake you and just keep walking forward, you'll get through the trial. You'll get through the adversity. You'll get through and you'll experience the thrill of victory, not just the agony of defeat. So it's important for us to know that you will experience trouble. Why? Because if you don't believe that as a Christian, you'll blame things on God. You'll think that I signed up to be a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus and my life is hell. What's going on? No, your life is not hell. You're going through some stuff, but you're going to get through them. It's just a season of time and you'll get through this season. This whole COVID-19, it's not gonna be forever, it's just a season, and we're all going through it together. Number two, Jesus said in here, I want you to know that I have overcome the world. I've already got through this, I'm not trying to, we're not praying to the Lord and he's saying, oh, this caught me by surprise, I don't know what to do. He's already on the other side of it, he's already overcome. Once you've been through a trial, once you've been through adversity, you have a new confidence about new trials because you've been through it. You've, you've said, I've already done that. It's like a hard workout. Once you've gotten through the workout, you go back and you have the next workout and you say, well, I've done that before. I know it's hard, but I know how to get through it. You know, I remember reading an article a little while back about Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the world's tallest mountain. And uh, you can see, uh, they say from the very top, you can see the actual curvature of the earth. It's 29,029 feet tall. I mean, it's, you know, you can only imagine how tall this is. And climbing Everest used to be just a tale. It used to be something where people would say, oh yeah, I think I know of a guy who, you know, who climbed Mount Everest, but now it's become a valuable commercial asset. In fact, in the 1950s, do you know that only six people climbed Mount Everest? 
in the 1950s. Uh, but in the last 20 years, in Mount, Mount Everest has seen nearly 10 times the increase in traffic than from previous years with more uh, than over 10,000, more than half, 10,055 people have taken the summit to Mount Everest just in the last decade. 5,561 people have taken that. In the last 20 years, we've seen all this traffic to Mount Everest. Why? Because people have already overcome it. People have already conquered it. And because they have, they've told, they told how to do it, and they've brought others along with them. Do you know that in order to conquer uh, Mount Everest, it takes six to eight weeks? Six to eight weeks from the time you start to the time you get up there to get to it. And uh, in order to, the average packages, uh, financial packages, in order to climb Mount Everest is between $35,000 and $160,000 it costs in order to climb Mount Everest. So if you want to climb Mount Everest, get a good job and start saving, okay? But uh, the average Western operator charges $66,000 to help someone climb to Mount Everest. It's become a big commercial operation. Why? Because people want to conquer something. People want to find something, something that's big. This is the tallest mountain in the world and something that someone's conquered before and they want to say, I'll pay large amounts of money for you to help me to conquer that. Why? Because they go to conquerors and they say, help me to conquer my biggest fear or my biggest mountain literally on the earth. The average $66,000. Um, you know, now there are plans where people will actually take people into, into space. The Virgin uh, Galactic uh, will actually, for $250,000, you can sign up for a flight to go up to space. $250,000. And uh, actually, you can take trips to the moon for about a hundred to two hundred million dollars, you can sign up to take trips to the moon. And so I know some people say, "I want to go to the moon." Again, you better get a good job and start saving and making some investments. But let me tell you, why do people even care about that? Why? Because they want to overcome, they want to conquer. And so, who do they go to? They go to people who've done it before, and they find confidence in them, and they put all of their assets and all of their valuables and all of their confidence in them, and they say, take me there. Take me to the top of the mountain. Take me to space. Let me tell you, you may be going through junk right now, but Jesus said, I've already overcome the world. I've already been there. I've already done it. To me, it's just a thing. It ain't nothing but a thing, so to speak. It's something that I will take you there. Why? Because you're part of my family. Man wants to conquer the world. Man wants to overcome. Um, I have a friend who has completed over 100 triathlons. And he's completed over, uh, of those, 15 Ironmans. And what an Ironman is, uh, it's 2.4 miles that you swim. It's 112 miles of uh, biking, and it's 26.2 miles of jogging. And he's done 15 of these, and he's done 100 uh, 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 triathlons. And he said, you know, it's more difficult to get to the starting line than to get to the finish line. It's more difficult because a lot of people just says, forget it. I'll never do that. It's not worth the price. But to him... He's already been through it. So he, he doesn't talk about if he can do it. He doesn't talk about if you can do it. When you ask him about it, he tells you how to do it. He says, well, if you want to do it, here's what you start doing. He just talks about it different. Do you know that's the way Jesus talks about our trials? 
in our tribulations. He says, if you want to overcome things, if you want to conquer things in your life, this is how to do it. Stick with me. Why? Because I've done it before. In Luke chapter 10, um, in Luke chapter 10, uh, the disciples came to Jesus. Remember, he sent out the 70, and they came back to them, and they were geeked. They were happy. They said, Jesus, even the, the, the demons, they, 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 uh, they were subject to us in your name. And Jesus didn't look back and say, really? Are you serious? No, Jesus looked back at him, and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What is he saying? Man, what are you so excited about? I told you, you're walking with me. See, to Jesus, he sees victory every time. I've already overcome the world. He is not trying to overcome the world. He's already done it. He's not trying to run a marathon. He's already done it. He's not trying to defeat the enemy. He's already done it. He's not trying to defeat disease. He's already done it. He said, I am the God who heals you. And so we need to know it's important. We will go through trials, but he said, I've already overcome the world. I've seen Satan fall like lightning. And then he went on and said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why? How can he say that so confidently? Because he saw Satan fall like lightning. In the book of Colossians chapter 2, it says that Jesus on the cross, he disarmed principalities and powers. And the Bible says he made a public spectacle of them. What is that? It's kind of like he clowned them. He shamed them. He showed them off. He made a public spectacle of them and he triumphed over them in it. Jesus is the ultimate winner. He's not trying to win. He does, he's not trying to win. He doesn't have just winning seasons. He's never lost a battle. So it's important for us to know, not only will we go through things, you will go through stuff. You maybe, you probably are going through stuff, but Jesus is the overcomer and he's already overcome the world. And number three, this, take heart. Jesus says, take heart. In other words, you, your stuff that you're going through, me, I've already come overcome the world. This plus this equals be encouraged. Why? Because I'm with you. You're not alone. You see, if you were alone, <laughs> you should be discouraged. We only get discouraged when we think we have to figure it out by ourselves. But we can be encouraged because we have Jesus on our side. Uh, in the Amplified version, it says this, take courage. In other words, take it. It's sort of like if someone were to hand you something and they were to say, take it. And you have to reach out and take, if I were to hand you a $10 bill and you said, well, I, I don't know. No, take it. Open your hand. Take it. Take courage. Take heart. Jesus gives you courage. He told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. You know what that means? It means it's a choice. If you're not courageous, if you're not strong, it's a choice. Sometimes we got to pull ourselves up off our tail, off our behinds on the, in a chair on the couch or and sitting back and we need to get up and take heart, take courage, say, I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to allow myself to have a pity party. I'm not going to allow myself to be a victim. Why? Because I have the victor. 
living on the inside of me. I have the one who's already overcome the world living on the inside of me. If I'm a victim, it's my choice. I'm a victor. That's who I am in Jesus. Be, in the Amplified, it says, be confident in that. In the New Century Version, it says, be brave. Be brave. I don't, I don't feel brave. Be brave. I don't care how you feel. If we walked by feelings, we'd be in a big mess, right? Be brave. And then in the New King James Version, it says, be of good cheer. In other words, put a smile on your face. I don't feel like smiling. Again, smile by faith. Many, many, many days, I have to put a big smile on my face and people say, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Not because I feel good. Not because every, all the, everything looks like it's going to work out perfect but because I put my hope and my confidence in Jesus and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to be of good cheer. I choose cheer. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Take joy again. Rejoice. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Listen, nothing can separate you from God's love. Not the way you're feeling. Not this, not you being locked in a house, so to speak, or not you being isolated from all the, 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 the things that you normally know how to blow off steam and, and get your emotions fixed and, and get those, you know, the friendships and all the people that you're around that make you feel better. Can I tell you, nothing can separate you. It can separate you from all that other stuff, but nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Yet in all these things, verse 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I love how it doesn't just leave it, leave it at you're, you're a conqueror in Christ. No, he says we're more than conquerors. In other words, whatever you have in your mind that you think a conqueror is, you're more than that. Whatever it is that you think of someone who is on top of things, you're more than that. You're more than a conqueror, not through yourself, but through him who loves you, through Jesus he says, for I am persuaded, this is why we can take heart. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. But what about something in the future? Nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing but someone created something to mess me up, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. We are not forsaken. He will never leave us. The love of God is right there with you, no matter what you're facing. No matter what situation you're going through, you have the love of God. And because he's more than a conqueror, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, the Bible says. We're more than conquerors, not through, him, not through us, but through him. And we have him. We are only discouraged and afraid because we view ourselves without him. 
We're only discouraged and afraid because we see the obstacles without him. And I'm telling you, again, we have a reason to be discouraged if it's without him. I remember that Zoe, our daughter, and I'll tell a lot of illustrations about her, but she's our, our sweet, sweet, sweet six-year-old only daughter that we have. But I remember one time I wanted to teach her a lesson and we were at the store and she would keep running off, you know, trying to go find a toy she wanted or, hey, come check this out. And she'd just take off thinking we'd run after her and we always did, okay? But I remember one time we were in Target or somewhere and, uh, and she ran off and, uh, and I remember ducking behind, uh, you know, I mean, she, she was right within just a few feet away, but I remember ducking behind an aisle and thinking, I'm gonna teach this girl a lesson and show her that daddy ain't running after you all the time even though I was, but I ducked behind the counter and I was looking at her and I could see her and she was just a few feet away, but she ran and she'd always look and see us right there, but she ran to a certain place in the store and she turned around and she didn't see anyone. And then she turned this way and she didn't see anybody. And she said, dad, mom, she didn't see anybody. And then all of a sudden I looked at her face and I saw this. She had that big lip, you know, stuck out and the lip started to quiver. <laughs> you, you all know what it feels like, right? I mean, you've probably done it when you're a kid and you've probably seen it in your kid. And then my heart broke. Oh, what a horrible dad I am, you know, just allowing her to have that feeling that she was all alone, that we left her, that we forsook her. And I wanted her to feel that for a moment because I didn't want her to run away from us because we are her protectors. We are the one who guards us. And I can tell you that there are times where we have those feelings. I just want you to think about that feeling for a minute. There are times where we have those feelings of being alone and we get sort of that, I'm all by myself. No one loves me. No one's around me. Let me tell you, that's the feeling we should feel when we don't have the Lord when we haven't invited the Lord. That's why the presence of God, the promises of God, the word of God, the protection of God, the covering of God is so valuable every day of our lives. And may we always live with the hunger for God's covering, God's protection, God's help in our lives. I'll never leave you or forsake you. But he said, but take heart. Why? because I'm with you. Take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. You don't need to be discouraged. We all know that feeling of insecurity and being alone. I believe that there's some who are watching right now who you feel all alone. You feel vulnerable. You feel, it's not that you don't know God isn't watching you and doesn't see, but you do feel like you're facing this without others. You may even have family members that are checking in on you, that are asking you how you're doing, but some ways you feel like they really aren't paying attention to you and they're not paying attention to your heart, to your well-being, to how you're doing. And I want you to know today that this is a message from the Lord Jesus, that he loves you. And there's nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you bow your heads with me right where you are? Just bow your heads and close your eyes.
Maybe you're sitting with some other people. It's okay. And I want to pray for you right now. I want to remind you that Jesus said, take heart. Because he's already overcome the world. He's already walked through your problem. He's already walked through your situation. He's already been to the other side. He's already, already, he's already been to the end of this whole situation. And he's going to help you walk through every step of the way. Would you just say to him right now, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, would you show me that you've overcome the world? I believe you today. In fact, let's say it out of our mouths. Jesus, I believe you today that you've overcome the world. And Jesus, even though I'm going through hardship, I thank you that I'm victorious because you're victorious. I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I thank you today that I can take heart. In fact, can we say it today? I take heart. I take good, I take courage. I'm of good cheer today because Jesus has overcome the world. And if you don't know Jesus right now, in fact, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never out of your mouth confessed Jesus as the Lord, maybe you have a belief in Jesus, you've been around others, who've believed in Jesus. Maybe you've been around church for years, but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life with your mouth. With your mouth, you've never connected your mouth and your heart. I want to pray with you right now. Would you just say this with me? In fact, let's all say it. Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. I open my heart to you and I turn from my own ways and I invite you fresh into my life today. I thank you for dying on the cross, taking all of my sins, and I thank you for giving me new life today. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Podcast.